All right, peeps, on today's episode of The Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering one question from the Patreons. Lots of gems, lots of adaptation, and lots of, you know, the KFG knows the JKD politics and he still doesn't give a fuck. Let's get to it. And every day, I practice martial <laughs> Yo, Dre, how you doing, man? I'm good, Sifu. What's good with you, man? Yeah, you know, sometimes What's we just got you? that energy. You, you, you look different. Uh, I got, I, I have an extra glow you got a, about yeah, me today, despite the fact that I've actually been going through some health shit lately. Okay, what, what, um, what? Which I'll discuss. But the reason why I have this glow, okay, and I'm gonna announce it here because I want the podcast fans to know. <laughs> at the time of this recording, <laughs> no. at the time of this recording, oh, he's doing it. He's doing it. They solved Tupac's murder. Whoa. Holy shit! Isn't that crazy? Whoa. Yes, that yes. is why justice for Tupac and no other reason. No other reason. Whatsoever. Why I have a reason. special glow today. I, I kind of feel like I'm glowing too. You're glowing too, perhaps for why. the same reason. <laughs> You're also excited. You, by the way, you were the one who texted me about it. Oh, shit. And then I was like, oh, man, I looked yeah. it up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so no, they figured it out. They figured it out. Yeah, it had to, it do, with that, it it had to do with that fight in the MGM before, to, which everyone to. suspected, but they just didn't have the goods, and they, now they got yeah. the goods because oh. one of those guys... After oh. 30, you know, the problem is after 30 years of getting away with something, yeah. people start, you know, what do they say? Yeah. Uh, uh, they loose, loose lips sink, sink ships. ships. Yep. All right. That's <laughs> and there you go. That's it. That so is that's, it. that is, and that Ooh. is the only reason why I'm so excited. Today. Definitely the only reason. Definitely <laughs> the only reason. Okay. No other so reason. anyway, I, I mentioned very, very briefly that mm -hmm. I was going through some health stuff. All yeah. right. And uh, in, because we haven't recorded an episode, we recorded an episode in last night. Month. So that was the, um, okay. that was the, uh, yesterday's episode, which for people who are listening to this would be last week's episode mm -hmm. where, uh, Mikey and I did part one of our Hong Kong recap. That yeah. was the first episode Hong we, Kong recap. yeah, we did a Hong Kong recap. Ooh. I was like, oh, we need to have Dre here. And I'm like, wait, he didn't come to Hong he didn't Kong. Go to Hong Kong. <laughs> so like, his, now you'd be, you'd be in the pity. Yeah. We wanted you there. We you wanted missed. you there. I wanted. Yeah. Hong next, Kong. Year. next year. Okay. Next year. So anyway, um, I, uh, we recorded the episode yesterday and we were, you know, we just started gushing about our awesome Hong Kong trip. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I failed to mention about. because, because since we didn't record an episode for four weeks, I didn't want people to see the episode and go like, yo, is the KFG, like, is he look, is he doing okay? All right. Oh. Uh, Cause I also haven't posted that much on social media. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to let everyone know. <laughs> <laughs> On the last two days of my Hong Kong trip, oh, I uh, got the um, the virus of unknown origins. Oh, okay, for the first time, I've heard I might of that. Add, right? I've heard of that virus, and uh, it was a bit of a doozy. That was your first. That was my first time. You never okay. forget your first. You never forget your first. <laughs> you never forget right? your first. You oh, do occasionally goodness. remember your second. Oh, all right. Man. So, um, but wow. anyway, I, I did um, not know that was your first. It was my first. And uh, I, I, you know, on, on the last couple of days of my trip, I felt really run down. Mm -hmm. And as Mikey can attest, I was running around like a chicken with its head cut off in Hong Kong. So <laughs> the last couple of days, I was really run down, but we had so much to do. We were still meeting with, you know, mm. with doing all this stuff. And I'm like, uh, I feel a little worn out. But I thought it was just because of the fatigue. Because uh -huh. from the moment I got into Hong Kong with the whole tour, with the 25 people oh, yeah. and everything, you, you nonstop. Sifu was there. My Sihing like was there. It was like nonstop from morning to night. I would look in the morning. I would train someone at 7 a.m. in Kowloon Park. Wow. 
I would do my own physical training. I would have breakfast. Then at 10 a.m., I would lead the tour where we would be somewhere walking, hiking, going here, mm. going there. Until about mm. 3 p.m., we would take a short break. And then in the evening, we would have part two of whatever we were doing that day. I got day. to see a video the other yes. day. Yes. Of, uh, what is it, Michael, somebody posted something? Kevin Mayo. Kevin Mayo. Yes. So okay. there are a bunch of vlogs. We talked about this yeah. on the last episode. So uh, Kevin Mayle, who is one of the guys who was on the tour, yeah. he posted the first kind of recap of the tour. So uh, Kevin, really his cool. last name is M-A-Y-L-E. So okay. if you look him up, uh, to a Hong Kong trip or whatever, he, he was fast. He like yeah. a day after he got back from Hong Kong, he it posted that one oh, already, wow. right? And then shortly after that, our boy Bruno, who goes by Bruce Willow on his social media, yeah. uh, made two vlogs like for day one and day two, which Ooh, were awesome. And, and now, and they're out, they've Ooh. been out and now our boy Andrew at the time of this recording has come out with about three which are amazing because his thing is travel log like vlogs and his looks like like you know like something you would see on like a a CNN Anthony Bourdain thing it's like so good oh and those are out now too at the time of this recording there are three out but those three only went to like day two or day three so I suspect by the time this episode comes out He's released a mm. bunch more, and they're really amazing. We'll Sweet. put the links to those in the description yes. below. Well, you yeah. know what it is about Andrews as well? It's just like, you know, did you ever see Globe Trekker? No. <laughs> well, oh, no, no Globe Trekker, no, some Globe, British. No, no, Globe Trekker was on PBS. It was awesome, oh. right? And it had like three different um, uh, presenters, right, who went to the most incredible places. I just, just watch it and go, how did you get this job? I uh-huh. want this job. Yes. And one of those guys was this bad-toothed English guy yeah. with a really big Cockney accent. I think his name was Ian or something. <laughs> uh, as you said, with a really big Cockney accent. <laughs> yeah, there was yeah, a moment yeah. there where I'm like, yeah. Wait, where's this going? <laughs> and, and I was just there, and I was just like, you know what? That was the only thing from Miss Andrew's vlogs was me yeah, with my big Cockney was, accent. That's yeah. right. That's you know, right. That was missing. Globe Trekker style. <laughs> you yeah. may have missed your calling, Mikey. Well, I, I have. I also missed all those vacations. But yes. anyway. So so anyway, uh, he did uh, amazing vlogs. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Andrew, obviously, is also our editor yeah. who probably does less of a stellar job editing this episode <laughs> than he does his own vlogs. The number of times I go like, uh, Andrew, you left like yeah. six F-bombs in that last yeah. one there. No, we can tell where uh, his heart is. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. right? <coughs> Funny, oh. I was just talking to him about a past episode, and, and I was like, just mentioned a couple of things, and his response to me was like, that was before Hong Kong, so that was past me's problem. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the past. Good. Now that he's been to myself. Hong Kong with me, maybe yeah. he'll step up all the editing, yeah. right? Yeah. He knows what a great host I was in mm. Hong Kong. So anyway, on the last couple of days, I contracted the virus of unknown origins. Vi- I well, thought it was. What just, do they call it? The, the no, Clinton? you don't. The reason you don't say it is because they demonetize your video by saying those words. Covington. Covington. Andrew. Do your magic. All right. Okay. Yeah, we don't the virus of fire. unknown origins. Ah, okay. All right. Uh, and then by the time, <laughs> by the time I got, yeah, funny for you, but it's demonetizing my channel. All right. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> all right. So, uh, my co-host, ladies and gentlemen. So anyway, uh, by the time I got to New York, oh, I, I felt like I had been eaten by a buffalo and yeah. shit over a cliff. Oh, damn. I was on the taxi. And- I was in the taxi on the way from JFK back to my place. By the way, I, I knew that I felt like I was coming. I wore a mask the whole trip mm. uh, on the way back to Hong Kong. I didn't, I didn't think I had co- I thought I was good. Hey. You mean the I didn't co- think I had the, the virus of... Sorry. Okay. I can't, I can't uh, yell at you for that. I just made the same mistake. <laughs> Hilarious. Yes. Bleep that out, please. 
I didn't realize I had the virus of unknown origins. I uh-huh. thought I just had a flu. Okay. But I knew that I was going to be traveling on a plane. So I, I still masked up and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was like, ah, I just feel like crap. And I'm going to be in a plane for 16 hours. I don't mm-hmm. want to give this to anyone, right? So I, uh, when I got in the taxi in JFK, uh, I had, my, my suitcase was so heavy because... Um, you know, when I, every time I go to Hong Kong, everyone's like, yo, KFG, yep. there's like this awesome, big, huge, oversized print book from Shannon Ma with the Bruce Lee prints. Yeah, can you bring me like six of those? Oh, uh, oh can you bring me a bunch of Lee Kong Man shirts? Whoa. Oh, can you bring me a bunch of this super ultra rare thing in Hong Kong? I'd rather not pay the shipping. Yeah, but then I'm carrying yeah. a hundred pound suitcase, oh, right? Man. Oh, so man. Uh, anyway, I, I get it off a nice JFK guy. and like, I had no strength because of the virus of unknown origins. I'm picking up a, here I am, the Kung Fu genius, you know, normally like, uh, you know, the shining example oh, of no. fitness yeah. and mobility. And here I'm going, uh, yeah, uh, trying to pick and this thing up. Uber driver didn't help And uh, no, was this a normal taxi driver? Uh, no, no, I mean, they help you put it yeah. in there. But once I was in the taxi, I was like, I slunk down. Oh. We're like, I'm like sitting like this oh. uh, all the way down. And I just, I slept the whole way and I could barely get my suitcase because I live in a New York apartment. There's like three floors up. Oh, right. I had yeah. to walk up. Lug it up. The, and, like, and I was, and I just, I, I laid down on the couch Damn. and I was so wiped out. And I go, this is more than just jet lag jet or lag. whatever. Yeah. So I took a rapid test of the virus of unknown origins and I was positive. <laughs> and I was like, oh man. Damn. And so for the rest, for the week, it was brutal. So mm-hmm. I isolated myself. I, I took care of myself. Um, but then after I had a really bad, like post virus of unknown origins fatigue, mm. where like if I wrote emails for 15 minutes, I had to rest for an hour and a half. And if I had to like get up and go to the other side of the apartment to grab something to drink, that was a 45 minute rest just for that. It was so, and I was so worried like, oh man, am I going to have the long version of the virus of unknown origins? Like, like wow. the long-term side effects. Um, mm. And then, so for the last four weeks, mm-hmm. basically since I got back from Hong Kong, uh, not only was I suffering from the virus of unknown origins, but also the effects afterwards. Mm-hmm. And one of the weird things it did is it killed my appetite. And even though now my energy is coming back and yeah. I'm so, uh, I, um, I eat, I still eat about one meal a day. Yo. And, um, if you put all of my favorite foods in front of me right now, uh-huh. I'd be like, uh. cool story, bro. I'm not hungry. <laughs> oh, so, wow. so I, 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 my appetite is, is, but my appetite pumpkin. is getting back incrementally. So every day I eat a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And when I do have hunger, which is rare, I'll gorge myself to get as many calories as I can Mm. because I've lost almost 15 pounds since Hong Kong. So I didn't want anyone to think like, you know, something was wrong. All right. Um, Every day I'm getting better. But the other thing is I have not worked out since Hong Kong. And this is the longest I have not trained since I started doing martial arts most likely. So I haven't, I haven't done any of my own personal training. I haven't done any, like I haven't hit the dummy. I haven't hit the bags. I haven't haven't done anything. No, I haven't had the energy, but I have been teaching. So I have enough energy to teach, but, and I have been doing, you know, cheese in the private lessons and Mm -hmm. stuff, but nothing super intensive or rigorous. Mm. I am getting better though, Mm -hmm. uh, day by day. And I am going to start working out again next week. But just in case, and there's also, by the way, the reason why I haven't posted much on my social media or the stuff that I did post was like older stuff or from Hong Kong. Hong Kong, I was great, feeling great, you know, in shape, doing my thing. And since that time, 
I've been looking mm. like, you know, like I said, like, like I had been eaten by a buffalo and shit over a cliff. <laughs> and, but now I'm, I'm coming out of it. And I also think that this news of the solving of Tupac's murder yeah. is helping, yeah. helping me get my appetite and oh, energy yes. back. Oh, yes. So, uh, so anyway, Justice. before we get started, the best way to support the Kung Fu Genius is on Patreon. Patreon.com slash the Kung Fu Genius. For as little as $5 a month, you can support your favorite Kung Fu podcast from New York City and get access to episodes early as well as my Instagram subscriber reels without also having to subscribe to me on Instagram. Uh, so definitely appreciate the help there. Also, there are higher levels of support where you get all sorts of different goodies and I occasionally put some extra little clips and things like that on Patreon that we normally don't put here on the regular channel. And moving forward for the Ask Me Anything episodes, the AMAs, I'm only taking questions from our Patreon supporters. So if you wanna ask me a direct question for me to answer on this podcast, you got to be on Patreon. Now, for those of you who are not on Patreon, you can still support us by liking this video, obviously subscribing to the channel, sharing these things on your social media platforms. And don't get me wrong, if you are not supporting us on Patreon, uh, what's wrong with you? It's like five bucks. It's like less. It's like, you know what? I get this juice at uh, Starbucks. It's mm -hmm. like a um, it's like a vitamin blast thing. The thing costs five ninety one. All right, it's okay. All right, yeah. I mean, it's like yeah, it's like tiny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So you can support us on Patreon, but if you don't, you know, liking these videos, sharing these videos, and obviously mm -hmm. subscribing to the channel is a huge help. But also commenting and also arguing with each other, like you guys always. Oh no, no, Bruce Lee didn't learn this. Oh no, screw you. Oh no, this guy doesn't know Jeet Kune Do. No, that guy knows Jeet Kune Do. Man, your Wing Chun sucks. Feel free to write all of that in the comments because it helps the algorithm. I think it's a trash fire but youtube likes it okay so please feel free to trash each other in the comments all right uh say all the things in the comments you wouldn't dare say to that person face to face all right go to town but anyway um you can definitely support us by doing those things now although we're not taking ask me anything questions from our you know general youtube population anymore you can still comment and give us suggestions for topics because what we're going to do now is we're going to do fewer ask me anything episodes maybe be just one a month or something like that. And uh, I like to do these deep dives where either we take one question from Patreon and make it the whole episode, which is what we're going to do today, okay. or we'll do multiple questions. Um, but uh, most of the other episodes are going to be one episode is one topic. I'm going to talk always about always from Patreon. Uh, well, the topic as is whatever as, I feel okay. like talking about. We will still take topic suggestions from our YouTube uh, audience, like okay. if they want me to talk about something. But specific questions are just for our Patreon mm -hmm. peeps only. So anyway, uh, without any further further ado we actually i found a patreon question okay which i think would be suitable for a topic it. all right hmm. so i got it here for you you can read that oh. to me all right it's from lee holmes one of our uh longtime patreon supporters okay here we go here so what if you could transport back in time for a front row seat into the life and legacy of one of the most respected wing chun masters in history gong sao wong a tribute direct students on sifu wong so Leung offers you just that through a series of exclusive conversations 25 direct students share anecdotes reflections and personal stories offering in-depth understanding of the man behind the legend order your copy today across 12 amazon marketplaces with free shipping i absolutely love this book and I think you'll find it an indispensable part of your collection. I can't recommend it enough. Get yours today. Go to Amazon, type in Gong Sao Wong, and there you go. Here we go. Lee Holmes. That's what's up. Is asking a hypothetical. Oh, no, he's not. <laughs> no? No. He's not asking a oh, hypothetical. Oh, no, wait. It says couple of questions for possible future episode. Uh-huh. Yes. Number one. 
I've heard you mention in previous episodes about your early transition from an adapted version of Wing Chun to a traditional approach with the intention of evaluating Bruce Lee's modifications. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you didn't agree with his adaptations or adaptations, and I was wondering if you, Sifu Alex Richter, could discuss some of the things, in your opinion, that Bruce may have gotten wrong in his modifications. Yes. Interesting this question, interesting, Lee right? Holmes. Yes, very interesting question. That's why, you know, wow. for our uh, uh, Patreon supporters, I, I put a... Uh, I put a post and I said, hey, guys, if you have questions for an AMA episode, put it here. But occasionally the questions are so good. I'm like, that's a that's a whole episode right there. That's not just like one of five yeah. questions. Right. Uh, we can get into that. So yeah. um, let's get into that. So uh, for um, for our listeners who've been listening to us for a while and they've heard a little bit about my. A little bit about my history. They know you well. Yeah, no, I still get people go, yeah, you call yourself Kung Fu Genius? <laughs> After I've like explained the story multiple times. Um, That's still you weren't here, though. but in the last week's episode, uh -huh. uh, I told the story again, my origin story of Kung Fu Genius and yeah. why it's sarcastic, self-deprecating. I don't consider myself oh, a Kung Fu man, Genius. The least. All right. Um, and I'm going to ask Andrew to take that one little clip from that episode and we'll make it a solo clip so that anytime some chuckle head mm. in the comments go, yeah, well, I'm not the one calling myself genius. <laughs> I'm just going to put that link there. Oh, all right. Okay. And be like, this is, dude, yeah. yo, research some <laughs> shit before you try to talk shit. All right. Okay. So anyway, um, <laughs> so for, for people who've listened to the podcast for a while, they know that my first introduction to Wing Chun mm -hmm. was not a classical or traditional Wing Chun. Um, it was a modified, kind of modernized version of Wing Chun. Yeah. Um, the uh, style that I took, the specific lineage was called Qinzhou Wing Chun. Uh, Qinzhou Wing Chun means like, uh, uh, those words literally translate to something like, it uh, is a faithful descendant of the Wing Chun style. Oh. Um, but what it, what it okay. actually is, it's a variation of, well, it's difficult to say variation because it's, it, it, to be, it, is, is, it is its own standalone style. So mm -hmm. sometimes when you say something is a variation or a spinoff, it sounds almost like you're degrading it, but not at all. Mm -hmm. I think Qinzhou okay. Wing Chun is a very complete system of Wing Chun because they address the different ranges of combat, ground fighting. It's mm. a very... Um, modern take on it, and I'm very uh, grateful uh, it's still around? to Sifu Johan Sassenuk for okay. introducing it to me. I think the founder, uh, John Bial, I think he closed the original Green Lake School, but he might still be teaching somewhere, and he may have students who are still teaching Got somewhere. It. My Sifu eventually left John Bial, as it seems to be the the, the case with a lot of people at some point, uh, they tell their old seafood to, to you know, uh, I got to go do my own thing or whatever. But they're still friendly from what I understand. All right. um, but basically, um, John Bial was a student of James DeMille. Like uh, James DeMille, as many people know, was... Uh, yeah, I think most people regard him as Bruce Lee's third student, mm -hmm. uh, you know, after uh, uh, Jesse Glover and Ed Hart. And uh, James DeMille took what he learned from Bruce Lee... And he actually codified it. So he structured it a little bit. Because one of the problems in general with Bruce Lee's teachings, mm, whether mm. you're talking about the early Seattle period or the Oakland period or the L.A. period or whatever, is this kind of codification. So um, there was now, a problem with his te early teachings. No, no, it wasn't there. No, no. I, what I just said is no. One. it's the okay. same problem with all of the phases of Bruce Lee. Okay, yes. There's no one who can say with any authority 
what the Seattle curriculum was or what the Oakland curriculum was or what the L.A. Chinatown curriculum was. There are people who will make claims about it. Okay. But the only claim anyone can make, especially in regards to Bruce Lee, in my opinion, Mm. for what he taught is they can only claim the curriculum as they were taught it. Or as was maybe taught within a specific period of that timeline. So if you talk about the L.A. Chinatown period, you're talking yeah. about a period of a few years. You're also talking about a period where Bruce Lee was teaching for a little bit, then Dan Inosanta was teaching. So are we? To, are, was it the same curriculum? Was it a little bit different? Because we even know from the Dan Lee phone conversation that we listened to that uh, while Bruce Lee was still alive, uh, that uh, Bruce Lee, you know... Uh, knew that Dan Inosanto was already teaching some things that were a little bit different from what he was doing. Okay. And this was stuff that was already going on during Bruce Lee's lifetime. This isn't stuff that happened years later. And the reason why you know that there's no agreed upon curriculum, like what was the Seattle curriculum? Hmm. All right. Because the early version was different than the version he taught shortly before he left. And what Taki Kimura taught was different from what Jesse Glover taught, which was different from what James DeMille taught. So, And those are all examples of people who trained with each other under Bruce Lee in Seattle. So you cannot say, you could say, yeah, Taki Kimura was the one with the JKD certificate, but uh, that's only because perhaps of some circumstances between Jesse Glover and James DeMille and Bruce Lee at the time that they left. But you cannot necessarily say that Taki Kimura was better than Jesse Glover by by no stretch of the imagination or or, uh, James DeMille. You could just say that they were different, right? Um, But therein lies the rub. You cannot say this was the Seattle curriculum because Bruce was constantly changing it. And what everyone got was a little bit different. Same thing with the Oakland curriculum. Same thing with the curriculum in Los Angeles. So the problem is... And also it's partially by design, especially later as Jeet Kune Do became more and more philosophical. Then you have this whole dichotomy, whether it's a true dichotomy or not, between Jun Fan Gong Fu, like the techniques that Bruce Lee did and Jeet Kune Do being a philosophy or Jeet Kune Do being about the five ways of attack and timing and rhythm and distance and Jun Fan Gong Fu being an earlier version or whatever. The problem is if you took 10 different JKD people or Seattle era people and put them in a room, they would only agree on the fact that there was a guy named Bruce Lee. Okay, so 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 the problem is, and and I am not a JKD guy. Mm -hmm. I am not a uh, you know a Wing Chun Do guy or any of uh, any of that. So I don't have any skin in the game. I'm just the guy sitting on the outside. You know, uh, my friend Dwight Woods, who I've been on his podcast many times, the JKD Rebel. Um, Every week, it's it's like he has to talk about this this dichotomy between original JKD and JKD concepts. And it's like they have an almost existential crisis in JKD because the founder had a lot of contradictory quotes about, you know, uh, if people fuss about the name JKD, then let the name of JKD be done with altogether. Uh, But then he'll also say JKD is this, this and this. So it's like he is defining it, but then he's also saying it's beyond definition And Mm. then he's also saying JKD is basically whatever you make of it. And then he's saying, if you're doing this, this and this, it's not JKD. So uh, uh, Bruce Lee's Jeet Kune Do and Bruce Lee's notes are very much like the Bible. Mm -hmm. You can quote mine it for whatever you want the Bible to mean for you. 
if you want it to be about peace and love, you can quote mine those specific quotes and yeah. see there. And if you want it to be about, you know, uh, you know, I, I came not to bring light, but the sword, you know what I mean? And about all hell and, you know, uh, uh, brimstone Feel and hellfire and stuff like that. You can find that. Yeah. If you want to make God out to look like a loving dude, you can find those quotes. And if mm-hmm. you want to make him out to be a genocidal maniac, those quotes are also very easy to find. Mm-hmm. So the problem is anyone can quote mine Bruce Lee's JKD notes or his writings and be like, see? And what usually happens, whether you're in the kind of Dan Inosanto camp or you're in the original JKD camp, is people like the version they learned. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so if you're in the original JKD camp, well, that's what you learned. You probably think your Sifu's a swell guy. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be partial to that worldview that the original JKD that was based on what Bruce Lee taught during his lifetime, which, again, is a very difficult thing to nail down. That's the only real one. And then the other people, perhaps more in the Dan Santo camp, are going to say, well, Jeet Kune Do's a philosophy. It yeah. needs to evolve. That's, that's the camp it, I was in. Yeah, it has to change with the times. You cannot be stuck. You cannot, you know, cannot create routines mm-hmm. and stuff. And the thing is, there are they're really decent arguments on both sides, but it also depends. It's a little bit like uh, uh, right, right wing, left wing. It's like we all tend to skew a little more conservatively in the way like we like to preserve things mm-hmm. and some people skew slightly more open-minded and and I'm not, I'm not saying people who are like more conservative are not at all open-minded I'm just saying that the people have this viewpoint mm-hmm. and that is the filter by which they see things so they will filter anything they read from Bruce Lee and they will literally pick out all the stuff that supports their view and ignore the stuff that doesn't so when it comes to whether people are part of this JKD camp, that JKD camp, or they think the original Seattle era, non-classical Gong Fu stuff before Bruce Lee created Jeet Kune Do is better, they're going to quote mine Bruce Lee to support those things. Because what they're doing is they begin with a conclusion. Mm. And then they find the facts to support it. Now, that's not actually how logic works. Because logic works, you, 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 have to, you have to find the facts, and the conclusion is based on the facts. But most people do it the opposite. Yeah. They have their conclusion because they like stuff. It's a liking bias. Mm. And then they build the facts backwards to support it. <laughs> wow. All right? And the thing is that I, I've, exp- I've, I've toyed with this idea. I don't know what you guys think about it, all right? All right. Because I don't have any skin in the game as a JKD guy, all right? Hmm. Me neither. But I know the arguments on both sides. Yeah. And I've toyed with the idea of doing an episode, one episode where I completely champion original JKD. Mm. And for for like an hour on KFG, I'm going to tell you why. Look, original JKD is the only real one. And if you've changed it, you're not doing what Bruce Lee did. And I could literally do that for an hour and have very convincing arguments. Mm -hmm. The next episode, I could do the same thing for Jeet Kune Do concepts. Have the exact opposite one because I've read the arguments on both sides. Okay. As someone who doesn't have any skin in the game, I go, that's what these people think. That's what those people think. And then people always ask me, well, which one do you think is right? And I go... Well, I don't have an opinion on that. And people find that hard to believe because I'm such a Bruce Lee nerd. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to say openly on the KFG podcast as, a, uh, as an established Wing Chun Sifu, uh, I, I don't care about Wing, uh, Jeet Kune Do politics. <laughs> I literally don't care. I have really good friends in the Dan and Santo camp. Yeah. Uh, 
Dr. Mark Cheng. Yeah. He is the godfather of my eldest daughter, right? Right. He is my brother. He's Dan, Dan Santos' student, and I love everything he does, and I love his take on martial arts, and I totally love that. Yeah. Vincent Benitez. Yeah. All right. Our boy Vincent. Shout out to All Vince. right. The Jersey Monk. Okay. He's a total original JKD guy all the way. I love him. He's great. When he talks about JKD, I love it. I agree with him. Okay. All right. Because they're valid points. Mm-hmm. The problem is when we want to come to a conclusion with which one is better, that's very difficult in martial arts because ultimately the martial art you think is better is the one that you like and the one that works for you. And everyone seems to be dissatisfied if other people don't think the way they think. Damn. And it's like, but what I find is that it belies an insecurity. Okay. Say, for example, you really believe in a, uh, uh, Jeet Kune Do concepts, okay? That Bruce Lee's idea is that uh, Jeet Kune Do should free us from the shackles of traditional martial arts. From, from yeah, a very Krishnamurti kind of like, free your mind from the dogma and the shackles of following a leader and a guru and all these things. And, you know, research and, and, and create something that is specifically your own, right? Uh, that is an awesome awesome mindset you know what i mean i'm totally completely behind that and i don't think that any anyone could really find uh too much fault in that mm-hmm. you know what i mean and that is a very open worldview, and i think that that's great but i don't care if that's how you want to view jeet kundo if that was my viewpoint oh. and i really believed in it let's say i'm like a jkd concept guy Jeet Kune Do is about freeing your mind. If you're just going to restrict yourself to Jun Fan Kung Fu prior to 1973, you're putting yourself in a box. All right. But I really enjoy my Jeet Kune Do concepts. Then why do I care if someone disagrees or does something else? Why do I, why would I, as a hypothetical Jeet Kune Do concepts guy, care that someone else would prefer to do original JKD? But it's almost like people are a little insecure. Because mm-hmm. if there are original JKD people out there in their mind, those people are thumbing their nose at their own existence. Like, I believe in this totally logical, valid way of using Jeet Kune Do as a vehicle to open your mind and to not be stuck and shackled or whatever. But that guy, he only wants to do the original JKD. And by using the same name, uh, he's, kind of, he's kind of ruining my flow. Damn. And in my mind, I go... Why do you give a f- <laughs> what someone does who's not your student, not at your school, and if you just didn't pay any attention, you wouldn't even know that they existed? Because I find that there's a little bit of insecurity. They're not completely sure of their point unless other people are convinced as well because they need a consensus. And I will tell you, consensus... Wow is overrated man. okay man they voted hitler into power in germany okay yeah, consensus, consensus is overrated okay <laughs> oh, all right well, i mean that's not actually strictly true what okay he fudged things a little bit okay some false <laughs> flags burning of the i get it i get it okay but still not, not to defend the man i'm just saying like he was terrible but he's what someone hacked know, the polls he's he's, he's defending hitler okay let, let me know that mikey mikey dean not. is defending hitler okay? <laughs> this right? is just 
this I, I, I am being oh because now I'm not on camera I are am you, being absolutely like what's it like taken you to being, task here you know what I yeah, mean uh, is, is he it, being Kanye right I, now I think like, yeah Kanye yeah. yeah. he's you know what on the next episode he's gonna show a bit of black mask oh <laughs> yes Mikey some, some Yeezys on I'd quit while you're ahead <laughs> alright there's okay. no being ahead so anyway behind. consensus is overrated uh huh you know if, if you re- and also if you really believe something and you're confident in it first of all you should always be open to other viewpoints because you don't want to be closed off where you're like I'm so confident in what I'm doing I don't listen to any other viewpoints that's not what I'm saying but I'm saying that if you've really thoroughly investigated what you do and you continually try to refine your mindset at some point you should be pretty confident you're doing the best you can do with what you're given Mm -hmm. and to spend an obnoxious amount of time because other people out there don't agree with you comes off as being unconfident Mm -hmm. Uh, why do people even care? And if I am an original Jeet Kune Do guy, where I believe that all the best stuff, the bee's knees, yeah. is what Bruce Lee taught up until his untimely death. Strong side, straight lead, you know, the intercepting idea there, the kind of fast Wing Chun traps on the inside, you know, kind of some fencing ideas in the long distance with some boxing framework and then some Wing Chun when you're close. That's it. That's it for me. I really like it. I like Bruce Lee. I think he was a genius. That's what I want to practice. That is what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. You have 4,000 weeks on this earth. If you make it into your mid to late 70s, All right. you got to do what's happy. You're like, fuck it. I like original Jeet Kune Do. Why do I have to constantly defend myself against someone who's like, yo, bro, if you're not doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and you're JKD, you're just totally stuck in a box. Yeah, but here's the thing. I have one life. And I like original Jeet Kundo. Mm-hmm. It makes me happy. But no, bro, the JKD no, concepts guys are in your face, and you have to now defend your original JKD against a constant slew of new school guys saying, yeah, but if you're not doing this and not doing that, you're not up with the times. Why do people give a shit so much? Look, I'm not saying don't be open. I'm not saying, look, I'm saying original JKD people who are totally into that stuff (laughs) should still keep a little eye out to what's going on in the grappling world, what's going on in, you know, what other, you know, don't just stay in that stuff. It doesn't mean you have to teach. It doesn't mean you have to mix it, but you should know. How's a grappler going to try to take you down? What, What are the liabilities if we go to the ground? And maybe JKD Concepts guys can be all for their so-called open-mindedness. Uh, but maybe also keep in, mind, keep in mind that the specialization that Bruce Lee um, advocated mm-hmm. um, could also be helpful. That maybe you cannot really be good at everything. And I know even just saying that is a loaded statement, JKD Concepts people. We're not trying to be good at everything. We're trying to integrate things according to the concept. Yeah, you're also yeah. trying to be good at a lot of All different right. martial arts. All right, okay. So maybe you could also specialize a little bit. Maybe you can both learn a little bit from each other and spend a lot less time delivering messages online trying to convince a group that is not going to be convinced. You're not going to convince uh, one sect of religion to convert to another one just by berating them constantly, right? Mm. And and you should spend more time on building your own skills and knowledge and presence and spend less time trying to put down another one so 
So many people are confused about basics in Wing Chun Chi Sao. Some view it as a collection of moves, and masters confuse their own students by talking of principles and concepts without telling them what's what. The 15 Chi Sao Fundamentals is my attempt at explaining Wing Chun Chi Sao from a perspective of principles, but also with the basic techniques required to express those principles. It shows the framework for Hong Kong Wing Chun Chi Sao, in particular, the training of Pun Sao and Lap Da. This is necessary training before going on to the higher and more spontaneous expression of Chisao. Right now, if you use the code KFG Chisao, you can get a signed copy of my book for the price of the unsigned one. Click on the link in the description below and use the code KFG Chisao at checkout to get a signed copy of this full color, over 230 page manual on the vital foundational training exercise of Wing Chun. This offer is good while supplies last, so get yours today. I had to, this has like been a 35 minute preamble and I haven't even gotten to the question. We didn't get to the question. No, because the, the problem is, well, whenever, whenever you tiptoe in the tulips of Bruce Lee's JKD <laughs> and all that kind of stuff, you right. have to have a mass. You have to have a massive preamble and throat clearing because since I'm a Wing Chun guy, yeah. All if if I don't mention that I'm very well aware of the the controversies within Bruce Lee's own martial art, the discrepancies between Seattle period and Chinatown period. Mm -hmm. uh, some guys saying Bruce Lee abandoned Wing Chun, other guys say he didn't. I know that basically the consensus is that there's no consensus on anything about Bruce Lee. I fully understand that. And by having this 30-minute throat clearing so I can get to my question, I hope I made that clear. <laughs> oh, right. That whatever I state about my personal subjective experience about what I understood about what Bruce Lee learned in Wing Chun yeah. versus what I discovered in Wing Chun versus what I think Bruce Lee may not have seen in Wing Chun can only be described as my own personal subjective experience. It's not, yeah, I can be completely mm. wrong about certain things, but I'm only explaining what I saw. So I'm not trying to make any claims about what Bruce Lee knew because even though I'm a huge Bruce Lee nerd, this is probably painfully apparent for people who watch this podcast regularly, um, it should also be painfully apparent that uh, no one is really an authority on what went on between Bruce Lee's two ears. Mm. We can speculate based on his notes, based on what he did, based on what he taught, yeah. but no one can say, this is exactly how Bruce Lee thought. Damn. We know what he wrote, which is a representation of what he thought, but it's not actually what he thought. When I write my books, that is a representation of how I explain Wing Chun in a way that I think I can communicate it to other people. But in my own head, that's not how I formulate it. It's the same information, but it's formulated in my head differently. Yeah. When I write it down, I write it for a general audience because in my head, I don't need to write mm. it for a general audience. It's an audience of one in my head. <laughs> right. But when you write it in a book, you're writing it for the general audience. It's always going to be formulated differently, even if the idea is the same. So that's why you could have read every single note Bruce Lee wrote. You could have them all memorized and you only understand a representation of what he thought. Wow. Besides the fact that most of what he that's wrote deep. his notes were things that he was also, you know, as by James Bishop, you know, these were notes from other other books, things that he liked. So many of those things weren't his original ideas, not saying that he yeah. was taking them elsewhere, but these were his notes on things that he was writing that weren't necessarily things that came out of his own head. These were things that he liked. Oh, I like that. Oh, this is cool. This is interesting. I can use this. 
So you would then have to really figure out what his original notes were, things that he wasn't looking at other books for, for inspiration, mm -hmm. and then still understand that even his most original notes are only a representation of what went on in his head, not actually what went on in his head. So you mm -hmm. cannot say for certain what, what Bruce Lee's takes on Wing Chun were. Uh, some of his students wow. might say, this is what Bruce Lee told me about Wing Chun, but this is what Bruce Lee told you about Wing Chun on that day. He may on have changed day. his mind later, or he may have just told you that because in that moment, that's what he felt like telling you. But that doesn't necessarily mean that that's correct. Like I hear at City Wing Chun, when we teach beginners, sometimes we teach beginners things that I wouldn't teach to my seniors because the senior students have a lot of uh, experience and they can get away with things. Yeah. All right. Once you have experience, you can do different things that a beginner would get. They would get clocked if you tried that. But with timing and practice, you can do things that, let's just say, are a little bit more risky. Mm -hmm. But a beginner, I would say, you never do this. Okay? All right. And the reason why I say that is because you have to teach a beginner the safest version of whatever you're teaching that's going to reduce the liability that they're going to get hit. Oh, Okay? Man. But for seniors, I say, okay, look, well, you know, based on the angle coming in, you can go this way, you can go this way, you can even opt to go like this, right? Because with your own experience, you know the liabilities of it, right? But if that beginner quit after a few months and then I died and years later they wrote about what I taught, they would say, Sivo Alex says you never do X, Y, Z. But my senior students would be like, dude, we do X, Y, Z all, all the, the time. time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the problem is we have to look at the limits of knowledge, the limits of perspective, the source, um, the interpretation, and mm -hmm. everyone needs to slow their roll on interpreting Bruce Lee's notes, on interpreting what Bruce Lee's students said, because that is now your interpretation of what someone else said, which is their representation of what they understood. Mm -hmm. So we are already, by the time you are retelling a story that some, you tell me a story of something that happened between you and your boy. Yeah. You are telling a story about something that happens in the past. So maybe you're still telling it yeah, in the way skewed. you understood it. Yeah. Then I'm listening to that and understanding it in the way I understand yeah. it. And then I, like every other Wing Chun guy, JKD guy, uh -huh. whatever, say it as gospel truth when oh, it's man. third hand. Okay. Ooh. So I think everyone needs to massively, everyone in the Bruce Lee world needs to massively slow their roll. Take a chill pill. On how certain they are about whether <laughs> Bruce Lee still thought Chi Sao was good or not, whether he thought Wing Chun was good or not, what his thoughts on Filipino martial arts were, whether he did this, whether he did that, because we are all interpreting third-hand stories at best mm -mm, at this mm -mm, present mm -mm, time, mm -mm, okay? Mm -mm. And that is a very slippery slope of going way off course, all right? So anyway... That's my now 40-minute throat clearing, so I can finally get to this question <laughs> without JKD guys going, well, you know, Steve Alex, actually, Bruce Lee's style was evolving over time, so when you're doing that, yeah, yeah, got it, okay? Oh All right, my goodness. so when I started learning Wing Chun uh, as a teenager, yeah. uh, like I said, I didn't start with a classical, classical or traditional style of Wing Chun. I started learning this Chinjo Wing Chun, which mm. was John Bial's version of the Wing Chun Do he had learned from James DeMille, which would be a version of Bruce Lee's early period teaching, which is pre-Jeet Kune Do. Mm -hmm. uh, that stuff was sometimes called non-classical Gong Fu by Jesse Glover. Okay. Um, 
Ed Hart used to just call it the stuff. The stuff. And the reason why it was That's called that is it, because I think because you have be to called. imagine when Bruce was first in Seattle in the very late 50s and early 60s, he had just come from Hong Kong. He was not a qualified Wing Chun instructor by any stretch of the imagination. All right. So I think because he had just recently left Hong Kong, I think he had some reservations about saying, I'm a Wing Chun Sifu because mm. I think he knew deep down he really wasn't. Oh. He was someone who had learned Wing Chun for a short time and he could use it. And, he, and I'm not saying that he wasn't effective or he didn't know how to scrap with Wing Chun. For sure he did. But uh, he would probably get laughed at a little bit in Hong Kong if he decided to open his school and say he was a Wing Chun Sivu, given the, the, the short amount of time that he had actually learned Wing Chun. Um, and so I think for that reason, you know, because and again, it's all perspective. Why didn't Bruce Lee call what he was doing Wing Chun? Well, if you look at from a Chinese traditional perspective, he knew he wasn't a qualified Sifu, so he probably wouldn't dare call it Wing Chun. But then, of course, the take is, well, you don't understand, well, well, well Mr. KFG, what you don't understand is by the time Bruce Lee came to the States uh -huh. and he saw the Westerners were much bigger than the guys he was used to practicing with in Hong Kong, he realized that the normal Wing Chun he did wouldn't really work in the same way. So he had to start uh -huh. modifying it. So because he was already changing it, that's why he wasn't like really Wing Chun anymore. So he like couldn't really call... See, I know, I know all you know the arguments. Like, I know all the arguments. Okay, <laughs> and and what what people don't understand because we have because we have two halves of our brain, we have a tendency to have very dichotomous thinking, black and white thinking. Mm -hmm. It's either this or that. Bruce Lee either didn't call it Wing Chun because of traditional reasons, or he didn't call it Wing Chun because he was so ultra modern uh, that he wouldn't call it Wing Chun because he was already changing everything or whatever. And yeah. when you know anything about human behavior, it's probably a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. One feeds the other very easily in that narrative. Okay. He knew he couldn't really teach Wing Chun because he wasn't a qualified Sifu, but he also knew that maybe because he wasn't a qualified Sifu, he had to patch some of the gaps of his knowledge up with some ideas, maybe try a little bit of judo with Fred yeah. Sato, like do a little bit of this, maybe change his stance a little bit because he didn't quite understand the kind of shifting, turning idea, uh, or maybe he did and he didn't like it, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so it very easily could be a combination of those things, but everyone wants to plant the flag like, no, this is why he didn't call it this. Because what's happening? They are now assuming that they know what was in Bruce Lee's head. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, so you know exactly why he didn't call it Wing Chun. Mm. You know, because Ed Hart would call it the stuff because he said Bruce didn't even give it a name when there. he was like, oh, we're just going to practice Gong Fu. He would use Gong Fu as a generic term, although we all know that Gong Fu is a... First of all, it doesn't even mean martial arts. It means your achievement through hard work. It can be used as a colloquial leaf to mean Chinese martial arts, but it's a very vague and open term. So you would just call it Kung Fu, right? But he was just teaching them kind of whatever he felt like teaching, right? But the thing is to go and say, no, 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 Kung Fu genius. This is why Bruce Lee did ABC in Seattle. I just have to say, mm, you don't know. Okay, you can make a claim and you could say, no, 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 yeah. so-and-so said, okay, so-and-so, <laughs> who's interpreting the information or interpreting what he said and then reinterpreting and then you hear it and then you're reinterpreting what they're saying and that is the fact, all right? Damn. Calm that, you're on that horse right now, you need to pull those reins in real hard, real hard, real hard, real hard on the, I know what Bruce Lee's thinking train, okay? All right? Uh, that is um, that is really difficult to say for sure, all right? 
But when Seattle, when Bruce Lee first came to Seattle, I think it could be said without much controversy okay. that what Bruce Lee taught in those first few years in Seattle was closer to the Wing Chun he had learned in Hong Kong than what he may be taught at later or latter periods in his teaching tenure. Because when he first came to Seattle, he had basically just, you know, he went to San Francisco for a short time, but then he very quickly went to Seattle afterwards. So, you know, people say, well, he actually went to San Francisco for, yeah, but he was in San Francisco for a very short time. He was in Seattle. Wait, how long was he in San- I don't remember, maybe a, a, a few months, maybe few shorter, months. I don't know, okay. but it wasn't, he didn't, it wasn't for any significant period it wasn't of time, a right? year But basically for okay. all intents and purposes, he was in, he came to Seattle from Hong Kong, all right? And obviously, because he was just fresh off the boat, quite literally at that time, what he was teaching, even if he was already changing some things, or what it was still more or less the stuff he w- had learned from his mm-hmm. Sihang Wong Zonayong and stuff. So it, it, it can be argued that the Seattle era stuff is closer to, that's more Bruce Lee's Wing Chun side of things than, say, what he was teaching in 1969, 10 years later in, in L.A., Okay, where he was still teaching some Wing Chun stuff, but, you know, with all the other stuff that he was starting to do. So uh, that's why the early Seattle period where you look at a Jesse Glover, you're looking at James DeMille, you're looking at Ed Hart or Leroy Garcia or, um, you know, any of these guys who learned from that time period. You're you're getting a, a closer glimpse to what Bruce Lee understood as Wing Chun. Because it was before yeah. he really started changing, let's say, the framework or making it a little more philosophical. And Chinjo Wing Chun, the style that I did, coming from Wing Chun Do, was a representation of that. They mm-hmm. had streamlined some of the methods of training, but for the most part, you're getting a version of what Bruce Lee taught, or at least an understanding of what Bruce Lee taught and what the understanding of Wing Chun was at that time. Cool. So that's why I did that for about three years, and that gave me insight into how Bruce Lee modified the stance to have one leg forward to drive forward pressure you know, off the rear leg, and um, you know, so, so some certain ideas about how Chi Sao was done and how things were applied and stuff. And obviously, there are a lot of things in Chin Zhou Wing Chun that are also John Bial's creation and idea. And there's a little bit of Ed Hart stuff in there uh, with the stand up grappling stuff that he was very fond of. Um, Hmm. But uh, I could say, and then also having had correspondence with Jesse Glover, I have all of Jesse Glover's books and videos at that time, and I watched it. And while some of the details of the stances were different, a lot of the stuff that Jesse Glover was doing was very similar to what I was learning in Chinjo Wing Chun. Just we had a little bit more in terms of padding it out as a self-defense style. And it wasn't just about, you know, getting good at 10 things. There were other things in there as well. All right. Um, but when I looked at Jesse Glover's stuff and I saw his videos, it wasn't that foreign to me. Like like the drop step punch and all that was those were all things that we were practicing. Ah. So I was like, okay, so that's the reason why I kind of felt that I had uh, at least a basic understanding of like, all right, like I don't know what Bruce Lee taught day to day, but I see what his students were doing. And that gives me a little bit of a glimpse. And then, of course, I read some of Bruce Lee's articles and and he he didn't actually talk about Wing Chun that much, except for maybe the Chi Sao article in Black Belt magazine, which was much later. But there were like bits and pieces of it. Why didn't Bruce Lee write a lot about Wing Chun in his notes? Because he already mm-hmm. learned Wing Chun in Hong Kong. And there were really no Wing Chun books at the time for him to take notes from. So he had nothing to take notes on in terms of Wing Chun. Whatever he came to the States with, 
That was his Wing Chun, all right? Mm-hmm. Of course, there are going to be people who claim that Fook Young taught him a super secret version of Wing Chun, which still, that super secret version of Wing Chun still somehow did not mean Bruce Lee did not have to. There are people that create, that Fook Young taught Bruce Lee such a super awesome version of Wing Chun. Yeah. Uh, yet Bruce Lee still needed to create Jeet Kune Do. So apparently whatever Fook Young taught him was still not good enough. Uh, uh, anyway, Damn. so but I'm not going to get into that can of worms or whatever. I think most of the Fook Young claims are highly, highly exaggerated. Okay. Um, and so in, in any case, it's not my burden to say not. It's, it's given the lack of notes and uh, dedication of what Bruce Lee ever wrote about Fook Young or what he did, I would say the burden of proof is on them to prove that Fook Young really did give Bruce Lee all this stuff. Of course, they're going to say he was a very humble guy and didn't want to take credit, but, and he's also, he's also passed away. So it's, it's very easy yeah. in hindsight to go like, well, sure, here's the reason, here's the reason why there's no evidence. All right. And claims without evidence can also just be summarily dismissed. It might be true, but if you don't have evidence, I don't have to listen to it. Mm-hmm. All right. Because mm-hmm. we, your evidence is someone told you. All right. Exactly. So, um, so anyway, um, you know, having learned Chinjo Wing Chun for three years very intensively and studied the books of Jesse Glover, saw the videos of Jesse Glover and kind of read a little bit about, you know, what Bruce Lee was teaching and doing at that time, especially Bruce Lee's fantastic book, uh, between, uh, not Bruce Lee's fantastic book, Jesse Glover's fantastic book yeah. uh, between uh, Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do, which John Little also said in their interviews, also one of his favorite books. I think it is one of the best books. Um, I uh, have a little bit of an idea, I think, of what the Seattle era Wing Chun was. All right. And so while I had been learning that for a few years, I, I, I wanted to learn classical Wing Chun as a teenager, classical or traditional. I don't like to say traditional Wing Chun because William Chang has kind of, he's kind of hijacked that term to mean okay. his specific thing. When I mean traditional, I mean like Bruce Lee was teaching, let's say his version of Wing Chun, you could say is a modern version of Wing Chun, right? Although these are all loaded terms that need to be defended. Um, but let's just, to keep it simple, put it under the rubric of modern Wing Chun, and then you have classical Wing Chun, all right? And why I say modern Wing Chun is because what I was learning in the Seattle era, we didn't do any of the forms. There was no Siyunam Tao Chum oh, Q or wow. anything like that. Interesting. Everything was fighting drills and things like that. Okay. And Chi Sao and sparring, all right? So uh, I wanted, but I'm like, yeah, but Bruce Lee learned Wing Chun, and I've always been a Kung Fu nerd. I'm like, I want to learn the class. I want to learn the Siyunam Tao and the Chum Q, and I want to learn those things. I want to learn the things that Bruce Lee learned. Mm-hmm. And see if having learned classical or traditional Wing Chun, if I would come to the same conclusion that Bruce Lee came to that, okay, all right, I learned this stuff and I still think that Bruce Lee's modifications were correct. Or would I go and learn this stuff and go, oh, well, maybe because Bruce Lee only learned Wing Chun for a short time, maybe he didn't learn everything. And then having the ability to learn everything and this is, of course, years before I knew about Wing Chun politics and who had learned what and all this kind of stuff. But like, right. this is my young, naive teenage brain. You know, if I learned everything, then I could determine for myself if Bruce Lee's edits were correct or if Bruce Lee's edits were based on partial information. Hmm. So that was the reason why in, in my eight, eight, when I was 18, 19, I decided to stop doing that non-classical Wing Chun and go off and, you know, seek some kind of more classic Wing Chun, which eventually brought me to Langton Wing Chun and then training full-time at the castle for a few wow. years because I, I really wanted to get into this stuff. And I knew at that time, because in Germany you had fighters like Emin Bostepe, you had all these great European fighters. I go, okay, here's a classical version of Yip Man's Wing Chun, but those guys can fight because those WT guys, those Langton guys, are yeah. they're fighting a lot, especially the guys in Europe, all right? 
So that's kind of, that's why that became my path. Um, because I had gone to some other classical Wing Chun schools in the Seattle era, area, and I wasn't uh, very impressed with them. Because coming from the Chinjo Wing Chun, we did a lot of sparring, heavy chi sao, mm-hmm. was, you know, gloves and everything. It was very practical, very hands-on. And then I would go into these traditional Wing Chun schools and see a bunch of people leaning backwards, you know, doing these kind of movements very slowly. <laughs> and I was like, okay, lean well, that, that looks, that, that's the Siunam Tao form. I knew what it what I was looking at, but I'm like, wow, those guys are leaning back. Yeah, and then watching them do Chi Sao, and it was like, you know, it's just like, it, it just felt like some soggy biscuit chakra hippie nonsense right i'm like i'm like i'm I'm like i'm like i'm like what is i'm like where's the sauce yeah all right is anyone gonna try to punch someone is anyone gonna try to do something right leave a crack you know they're just there everyone's leaning backwards going like this and they're discussing their feelings right Uh, and i'm going and and i was going like nah maybe maybe i think i think maybe bruce lee was on to (laughs) something All right. And then it wasn't until I came to Sifu Ralph Hanel in Vancouver. And yeah. He just spanked me yeah. easily with his, this Leung Chang Wing Chun. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. Now I have something to learn. Yes. So anyway, um, <laughs> part, part, of, part of this experiment for me would be like, okay, well, now I'm going to embark on this road of traditional Wing Chun, classical Wing Chun. Let me see if I would come to the same conclusion Bruce Lee did, right? And uh, which is more or less than where this question comes from. So mm-hmm. now having done that all these years later, do I agree with Bruce Lee's edits? And so this is a, um, this is a very uh, interesting question because it's difficult to separate Bruce Lee's circumstances out of this uh, question. Because I believe that given what Bruce Lee knew about Wing Chun and what he understood about Wing Chun at the time that he came to the U.S., mm-hmm. what he eventually did with it and what it was to develop into, I think was probably the best course of action for, for him. Now, of course, it's easy to say that in hindsight, he became a big famous Kung Fu movie star and created this style or whatever. So right. it's almost like here I am justifying. I started with the conclusion and then justified uh, <laughs> uh, the premise. But I think that uh, given the, what Bruce Lee, you know, Bruce Lee had a very basic stripped down version of Wing Chun from Wong Sun Leung, basically just stepping in, punching, fighting, basic... Pax out, laps out, low kick, cheese out, go forward, go in, kill, 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 kill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a very good foundation to have when you're a scrappy 18-year-old coming to the States in the late 50s. All right. And then finding that he maybe... He knew he could fight. Yeah, and then finding out maybe against some bigger guys, he had to use some different angling. Maybe he had to change the stance to 50-50 because he didn't know how to make the more rear-weighted stance weight, uh, work against someone who was like bigger and stronger because maybe he just didn't have that stuff. All but right. given what he knew... I think everything he did with it was brilliant because most people wouldn't dare change what they learned. They would just stick to it. All right. And even if they had a hard time using it, they might just think that they just weren't good enough and they needed to practice harder, which Mm -hmm. by the way, sometimes is the answer, but sometimes it's not. Yeah. And instead what he did is he engineered something kind of new and figure out a way to make it work. So given what he knew, um, I totally Mm. understand why what why bruce lee did what he did and i also have to say hats off to him because i think very few people would have been able to do that with that amount of Wing would Chun. you say he was a kung fu genius absolutely he absolutely. was the real kung fu genius the real all kung right fu not genius. this chucklehead you're looking at right now okay? <laughs> yeah you call yourself the kung fu genius <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, i don't know anyone okay. calls himself genius all, all right, right. Um, if you don't like calling me Kung Fu Genius, then just call me KFG. Okay. All right. There we go. All right. So anyway, uh, 
So that's why I go like Bruce Lee was actually really quite brilliant for what he had in his hand at the time he came to the states. Yeah, and what he, he played his it. cards and he. he but Bruce came Lee out. made. But Bruce Lee made some claims uh-huh. that uh, Wing Chun had only one type of punch, i.e., the straight punch. <laughs> and for anyone, at least in the Lang Ting system, who's learned the Chum Q, you know we have the lifting punch, which mm-hmm. for the layman is a uppercut. Uh, in our version of the Buji form, we have the hooking punch, which for the layman is a hook. <laughs> um, and then so. Uh, now we don't just do them willy nilly, all mm-hmm. right. There's a specific reason why we would do a hooking punch. It's spoiler alert. It's a straight punch from the side. We don't stand in front of yeah. someone and loop the punch this way here. If 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 I'm holding on to my my opponent's arm in front of me and his neck is here, this is the shortest straight line between these two points. Okay, so it is to a certain degree still a straight punch. It's, it's a straight. straight it's a straight yeah. punch from where our lifting punch, our uppercut. If my hand is down here and the target is here and I go this way, well, that's there also the most efficient line from there to there. But to say that Wing Chun only has a straight punch is factually incorrect. And Bruce Lee did say that in either one of his articles or one of his notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is the statement from Leo Fong, uh, the late Leo Fong, whom uh, uh, you know was an Oakland era guy. I, I feel that, and I know it maybe comes off a little weird saying, I feel that Leo Fong exaggerated mm-hmm. some of his stories about Bruce Lee. I feel that, you know, maybe some of the conversations that he said he had with Bruce Lee, I think these are later accretions. I okay. think these are things that, uh, I'm not saying he was intentionally lying or anything like that. I'm just saying like, I, I there's so little about him from that time period. Mm-hmm. And he, based on some of his interviews later, you would think he was like Bruce Lee's right-hand man. All right. He was always there. But he claimed that after the fight with Wong Jack Mann, uh, that, uh, you know, because Wong Jack Man ran away from Bruce like an absolute coward. Uh, and that Bruce said to Leo Fong, this is Leo Fong saying it, that, you know, because he only knew the straight punches from Wing Chun, had he known hooks and uppercuts, he could have hit Wong Jack Man from different angles instead of just chasing him with chain punches. Because part of what supposedly happened, I've got, there are many, many narratives about the Wong Jack Man fight. Damn. Uh, and I'm not making any claims about the truth or veracity of what I'm about to say, is that, uh, you know, while Bruce is chasing him with chain punches, Wong Jackman turned around, and Bruce ended up uh, throwing a lot of chain punches towards the back of Wong Jackman's head, which, you know, uh, we, we know it, is actually something I tell you guys not to do. <laughs> right. And this knowledge of not chain <laughs> Never punch, do that. <laughs> yeah, not chain punching someone in the back of the head, mm-hmm. that doesn't come because of a cautionary tale from Bruce Lee, that comes from my Wing Chun teachers in Hong Kong. Yeah. Okay, so um, it seems that when Bruce said that there was only one type of punch in Wing Chun, and that was often represented, at least in what he taught, by chain punching. Right. That is, for anyone who's actually learned Wing Chun in any depth, that's actually factually incorrect. So we have other types of punches from other angles. Um, we're also very specific about when and where we chain punch. It's not a multi-purpose tool. Maybe for the beginner a little bit more, but as you advance in Wing Chun, you don't chain punch as much. Just going in and stepping with chain punches when someone's close to you is, is not the best tactic if you're fighting an elite fighter. But yeah. if someone steps in your face and you're like, yeah, bro, calm down, I don't want anything, and they keep coming, you go in and blast them. Okay, that's a different story, okay? Um, but... Uh, you know, for the advanced practitioners, they're going to be doing other things, okay? Um, but it clearly seems like Bruce Lee's main tool was a hammer to which yeah. every solution had to be a nail. And that hammer was chain punching. 
And there he was chain punching Wong Jack Man in the back of the head, which is something I tell my students in like the first two weeks. If your opponent turns, you cannot use a closed fist on the back of the skull. You have to, you have to change it to palm strikes. Ooh. You have to find another way to hit. And then the idea that if someone was running away from you and didn't want to engage, you would normally just let them go and be yeah. like, all right, you don't want to fight. You just want to run away and come. Come and fight me or get the hell out of my gym. Right. You know, but we have passing steps in Wing Chun. We have the use of kicks. We have clinches. We have the neck pulling hand. We have close range elbows, punches from different angles, takedowns, sweeps, trips, all of this stuff. So to say the idea that the only tool against a runner is to just (laughs) get on your horse and chain punch someone besides, Mm. first of all, just letting them go and going, hey, you don't want to fight. You just want to run away. Come on. I I thought you're a man. You want to come and fight. Come on. I'm here. Stop running away. All right. If you want to run away, then you have to concede you lost this fight. Mm -hmm. But if some dude is just running away from you in an enclosed space, you're eventually going to catch him, which is what happened to Wong Jack Man. You cannot keep running in an enclosed space. But to say that, you know, as Leo Fong said, oh, Bruce said, oh, if only I had learned hooks and uppercuts, which is kind of weird. You know why? If Bruce, (laughs) the reason why I tend to doubt that story a little bit. All right. Is Uh because. How would Bruce know what hooks and uppercuts were if he didn't know what hooks and uppercuts were? <laughs> okay, so, so okay. He, he, you, you right. understand? It's like it, yeah. it, it, it's like the solution to your problem. You thought about it for years. Oh man! Now, of course, maybe he told Wong. Uh, maybe he told Leo Fung that story years, years later. later. Okay. I'm sure there's gonna everyone's gonna no no you come for Jesus. That, was, that was much later when he yeah. told him that or whatever. But um, it just seems like um, that's probably the story he told g- himself. Given yeah, it's the story he yeah. told himself about uh-huh. what Bruce Lee told him. But given the fact that Bruce Lee knew a little bit about Choi Le Fat, which uses odd angle punches, uh, knew a little bit about different martial arts, mm-hmm. uh, knew a little knew bit about boxing. judo. Yeah, yeah, and had yeah, and here's the thing. Yeah, yeah that, that, you bring up a great point. Bruce Lee had a boxing match yeah. in Hong Kong prior to that. So right. Bruce did not know about hooks and uppercuts, okay? This <laughs> okay. is part of the reason why I tend to think some of the stuff that Leo Fong said about Bruce Lee mm-hmm. had, a little, had, a, had a little bit of an aroma uh, no. uh, around oh, it. No. Mm, I don't know about this, right? Um, but Bruce did say that Wing Chun only had this. But when you're in a fight, as Bruce Lee was definitely that time, I don't care if you're a Wing Chun guy if no. you're in a fight, you're going to throw whatever the hell yeah. you think is going to work in that moment. Okay. And so I always found that that was a little spurious. Mm-hmm. So my conclusion is I agree with what Bruce Lee did given what he knew. Mm-hmm. But I'm happy to have learned the classical Wing Chun system to realize that there were a lot of things that he didn't learn. And having learned it, I mean, you never finish learning it. It's always a process. But having learned the dummy and the pole and the knives and everything like that. I have an appreciation for that which Bruce Lee didn't see, but I also have an understanding for what he understood. When it comes to fighting, uh-huh. we have a, we have a you, you know, you don't need everything in the art to fight. Just like in, even in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, right. if you're fighting on the street, you don't need to know every single collar choke and barren bolos and gi chokes or whatever. No. You just need to take down, pin the guy, and, put him and, in a choke, right? That's it. You know, what, you, you know, what the entire, what an entire art has versus the toolkit for self-defense, versus the toolkit for a street fight, versus the toolkit for fighting another martial artist. These are all different conversations, right? Whew. And, and I, 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 I love the Jeet Kune Do philosophy. You know, but kind of, I, I think once you learn a traditional style of martial arts, especially as like, let's say the head of the school like I am, you do have to unshackle yourself from certain dogmatic ideas in order to improve it. 
But if you unshackled yourself as a beginner who didn't know anything, then you wouldn't just be, you wouldn't be having an open mind. You'd be having an undisciplined one. Mm. And that's all I got to say about that. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Kung Fu Genius. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Kung Fu Genius. Hit that bell for notifications. And if you have any topic ideas for a future episode, go ahead and put those in the comments below. And please support us on Patreon. The link for that is below as well. And as always, I'll see you guys next time. Word is I'm a kung fu genius Technique speaks for me, not lineage Forget Jet Li, cause I'm the one Many call me Sifu, but to you I'm Seagung And I produce masters, you surpassed us Your kung fu stiffer than corpse and caskets City Wing Chung is the house I built Violate the gate and your blood gets spilt Alex Richter, always the victor And if you have any ideas for a future episode of the Kung Fu Genius Put them in the comments below And if you want me to ask, uh, or if you want to add Fuck you, alright, sorry all right, peoples, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering one question from Patreon. Lots of gems, lots of adaptations, adaptations. All right, peeps, on today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering one question from Patreon. Oh. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be genius, the genius, the genius, the genius. All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering. All right, okay, peeps. Trey, take a breath. The genius will be answering one question from the Patreons. Ah. All right, peeps. On lots of gems, lots of adaptation, and lots of. I forgot what the third one was. Yeah. Lots of gems, lots of adaptations, lots of, yeah, you know, the KFG knows the politics. Oh, dear. The KFG God. knows about JKD politics, and he still doesn't give a f No, we're not editing that together. Lots of, yeah, the KFG knows JKD politics, and he still doesn't give a f Let's get to it. Uh, do it one more time. He can, he can squeeze the pauses together. I, well, there's not so much pause. Uh, uh, just... All right, peeps. On today's episode of the Kung Fu Genius, the genius will be answering one question from the Patreons. Lots of gems, lots of adaptation, lots of, yeah, the KFG knows. Uh, All right, let's go, brother.